This is Unfiltered, episode 157, for September 2nd, 2015. Chinese and Russian intelligence services are collecting personally identifiable information on a grand scale so they can target American government workers for counterintelligence, a U.S. official tells CNN. China has been particularly active, the official says, part of a national strategy. The foreign spy agencies then use a massive database analysis to combine information from hacks as diverse as the Office of Personnel Management to the cheating website Ashley Madison to identify potentially compromised agents. Welcome again to another edition of Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you shouldn't be watching. We have now turned the calendar to the month of September. My name is Jason. At the board! Run the board this week. Uh, we just got picked him up. He's a brand new intern. Uh, he's pretty good at the controls. Uh, yeah, his name fabulous whiner. He is a great whiner. Here he I is. Do wine because yeah. I want to win. Mr. Donald Trump. Hey, Donald. No, <laughs> it's Chris. I don't have a good Donald Trump voice. That'd be a good time to bring it out. But I no. want to win. I, I want to win. I am a whiner. No, I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> I don't think I have much longer to worry about it, but uh, I'll work on it for a bit. Mr. Chase, big yes. show coming up today in episode 100. And, oh, no, don't do it. I won't do don't it. Don't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. You I just won't do said it. Just it. For you. We just heard you. I won't you. say 157. Just, I won't we, say 100. Ah! I'm sorry to do that to you. I'm sorry. Uh, Those longtime listeners know it drives Chase crazy when Chris does that. Uh, so big show today. I just got back from a little bit from a whole bunch of errands and stuff. Wow, that's great. I uh, got <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I just ran. I you know I went and bought some eggs. And no, then I went no, to the for, post the, office. for the for the upcoming. Okay, road trip. well the way you made it, I just go to a whole bunch of errands. Stuff. I wasn't done yet, and you jumped on me. I wasn't. <laughs> so I went and got the truck done. I got a whole bunch of stuff taken care of. I feel good today, Chase. I you feel, removed that back cover finally. I feel really no, I still no saw way. it. Are you kidding me? I love my back cover. I love my back cover. Let's start with the cyber division. Cyber. So this is this is. I see. I was getting to a point. See, I, I, I had I had some walking time today, Chase, because I was out my vehicle. I was out. I was out without my vehicle, and I started thinking to myself, "How much I miss my vehicle." You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I started thinking to myself. Uh, I, this is how sad I am. I started thinking to myself. You know what we haven't heard a lot about is if people that were breached in the OPM breach, which was basically every yeah. government employee ever, also Everybody. had Ashley Madison accounts, who <laughs> also shopped at Target, who also shopped at Home Depot. Maybe right. we can have like a whole whole database now. Well, guess what? And Chiners and Russians already thought of it. Aww. Dang it. Dang Russia, it. China, and other countries are collecting stolen information from hackers to identify American spies, track them down, and try to blackmail them and recruit them. That's according to a report in the Los Angeles Times newspaper. What? It shows what? that foreign city? intelligence agencies can combine data from hacked federal computers and banks and health insurance companies. We believe they're using an advanced, uh, sophisticated technology called a spreadsheet. <laughs> Oops. Oops. And airlines, as I just mentioned, social media. Even the cheating website Ashley Madison can be of assistance to build profiles on American officials. According to the Los Angeles Times, that means those foreign agencies can find out who has security clearances, where they've been traveling, and whether they have financial or health problems. And, of course, if they've been cheating on their spouses. The newspaper reports stolen information has already compromised at least one secret network of American engineers and scientists. Brian Bennett is one of the reporters who worked on this story for the L.A. Times and is with us. 
Now, this is actually the real story. They're kind of bearing the lead a little bit, but supposedly a group uh, that's supposed to be classified has been exposed. I guess they can have everything now from your reporting, right? Well, there's a lot of data that can go into this. And what's really changed is the computing power that Russia and China have access to. I mean, they can bring in these enormous data sets. The, the Anthem healthcare data set is 80 million records alone on 80 million people. And the Chinese have been able to take that from Chinese hackers and combine it with information they stole off of government computers and are using it to run against American spies traveling overseas. But you're not reporting. In fact, you're reporting the contrary. They, they're not working together, Russia and China. This is this is what I find to be fascinating is right. we don't actually so China didn't actually even have to be responsible for the OPM breach or for any of the for any of the medical record breaches or anything because a lot of times if these breaches happen they put they publish the information in the databases on the black market yeah. and yeah, then you can buy it up right. and government agencies are buying it up like crazy yeah why not exactly because they have, they have unlimited money because we're paying for it <laughs> basically it's our money. it's true mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. As far as we know, Russia and China are not working together, but individually, Russia has developed a massive database, and China has developed a massive database, and they're uh, actively using that to identify, and, and we're not just talking about the career spies that America has that have gone through years and years of training. We're also talking about this broad network of professional scientists and engineers who have a day job, but also have a security clearance and, and occasionally help out U.S. intelligence service as well. A year ago or two years ago, that network was able to travel overseas you know, relatively uh, quietly without being noticed. Well, U.S. intelligence officials say that's changed. Now China and Russia know uh, more about who these people are. We, we do this too, right? We absolutely do this. The, the FBI and the NSA is very good at data collection. One thing that's changed, though, is that we uh, develop these computers and these systems of crunching these massive databases, and we always were ahead of our adversaries on computing power. Well, given what's available commercially now, uh, that, levy, that playing field is now level, and uh, China and Russia can, can do a lot with, with the computing power they have. It's interesting. There's actually a proposal in the U.S. government right now to build the next generation crazy-ass, fast, massive computer. Oh. Uh, yeah, so that is something on the U.S. government's radar. There's, there, there's very few tools more powerful than blackmail if you have the right, right subject matter, and it sounds like they probably have a lot of the right subject matter on a lot of people. Right. I mean, you can imagine if, if you are an American scientist and you're traveling overseas, well, um, and you have a security clearance in the past, you've helped U.S. intelligence. Well, now, um, if you've been cheating on your spouse, it's possible that China knows about that. Um, if you uh, have some health problems or you have a lot of debt because of um, the criminal hackers who've stolen information and, and given it to China, uh, they have information on that, too, and they can come at you. Maybe everybody ought to come clean all of a sudden. That might be helpful. Brian Bennett's a correspondent or a reporter for the LA Times at latimes.com. Look for his stuff, Brian. Thanks. See that huge screen there that they just have like the matrix code falling yeah, down? That's yeah. a big waste of space. Uh, so the thing that they're not really telling you in this report is that they haven't actually caught Russia or China red handed. No, no. What they're doing is supposedly they've caught third party crime organizations who are acting as proxies. For these governments, but we don't actually have hard proof that they are acting as proxies. We just believe they're acting as proxies. Ergo, we're blaming the governments, even though we've actually been busting criminal groups. Right. This is just purely speculatory at this point. They don't say that, though. I know. But remember, Chris, what do we always say on the show? ISIS? ISIL. But no, not just that. Dash? No, no, not the, you know, is. 
Yes, that's what oh, we say. Okay, okay, okay. Remember, yeah. it's about the numbers, about yeah. the ratings. And don't forget, they don't have to substantiate anything. It could be a little bit about ISIS, too. Uh, ISIL. An activist group reportedly helped prevent terror attacks in New York and Tunisia at the beginning of July. We are Good we're gonna win. security. That's yeah. What, for the audio folks, I'm narrating. Well, the group called the itself of Ghost Security and has declared an online war with Islamic State extremists. We spoke to one of the hackers to find out how they managed to foil plans of terror and save lives. The interview was given what anonymously a using a different voice. We've saved lives. They were, as always, uh, talking on Twitter about what they were going to do. And uh, when you catch those conversations, it's uh, kind of starting to get to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And then we noticed that uh, we were actually onto something. We l- looked a little closer, waited a couple of hours, and uh, alerted authorities. Uh, a couple of days later, they told us what had been done uh, on our information and confirmed that... Uh, we did prevent a terrorist attack. So this um, elite hacker group, uh, the the, uh, the ghost folks here, uh, watched a Twitter feed, waited a couple of days, called the Popo, and then the Popo told them they did a really good job stopping some bad guys, and uh, that's it. That's that's what was done. So what are they trying to sell? Because where, where's the where's what, why are they I doing this the, out of the good of just, their heart? It just confirms that it's just reiterating that narrative that the threats you see on Twitter are real and that even elite hackers are taking it. You seriously. mean from the ISIS hacking division? Yep, 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 yep. You know what? We need the FTC to step in and start regulating. And now some fresh pickings from the political grapevine. A law passed in 1914, 101 years ago, is being used to justify government regulation of corporate cybersecurity today. A federal appeals court ruled the Federal Trade Commission has the authority under that law to fine a business that, quote, unreasonably and unnecessarily exposed consumers' personal data to unauthorized access and theft. Well, how about that? It should be noted, Congress has not passed legislation mandating a specific level of cybersecurity, nor has it passed legislation to enable the government to assist private companies in their cybersecurity efforts. The FTC welcomes the court's decision, while others are left with some questions. Quote, so who gets authority to punish the IRS and OPM? Another offered a comparison, like when the EPA hammers industry but gives itself a pass when it screws up a river. Let FTC hammer the OPM first. The FTC tells the grapevine under current law it does not have the authority to regulate government departments. School is back, or All soon. Right, let's w- stop there. So uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting thought that the yeah. FTC might step in and regulate based on an existing law, uh, which seems to make more sense. You got to these laws on the books are ready for that. Yeah, but how do you? Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, we have a law in the books. What did he say the year what, was? Do you remember? It what was he said like the year 18. Was? No, no, no. It was 105 I'll play it again. years. I'll play it again. He said 105 years. So 1911. 1914. Yeah. Let's play it again. And now some fresh pickings from the political grapevine. A law passed in 1914. Yeah, 1914. 1914. Yeah, so over 100 so, years ago. So, let's, let, so, so let me get this on record. Yeah. You're saying, Chris, uh-huh. I am. Mr. Technology Chris, mm-hmm. that we should be applying a law yeah. from 1914 yep. uh, with everything that we do today in 2015. I think probably better than passing something we get in 2015. That's the thing is I don't trust what we get. What we get in 2015 would be such a bastardized. Yeah, but there's also, you know, there was no freeways in 1914 and there was, 
it was just railroads and telegraph wires. All right, wires. Mr. Net Neutrality, Mr. Title Two. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same story. It's the same problem. Well, Title Two is a little bit more current than that. Yeah, but not much. It's still like the twenties or something. It's not like. <laughs> yeah, it's still super old. Yeah, Title Two is ancient. That's it. Let's just go back to the thirty-six or something like that. Uh, and you know, and the NSA, they just—they're taking advantage of super old rules over and over again. Now, a U.S. federal court has rejected an attempt to challenge the NSA's bulk data collection. The White House welcomed the ruling. Uh, I, bet I think did. the ruling of the court is actually consistent with what uh, this administration has said for some time, uh, which is that we did believe uh, that Wait. Uh, these stop. For- Oh, okay. Never mind. That's our. Those are our rights. I, I really, I really thought that someone there. <laughs> you went, thought you thought that was, was so. That was so yeah. subtle. Thanks. Now Josh that was just has so a, good. When Josh is just flushing <laughs> down our rights down the toilet, he just has a button he presses. Wait. Well, it, yeah. actually, there's a tab in his binder. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That he. <laughs> oh man. That's how we go. Uh, that, that's how we roll. Uh, capabilities were constitutional. Well, let's discuss what this could actually mean then with uh, Artis Gianchikian, who's uh, covering the story Ooh, for us in Washington. Gianni, um, it does open up a new chapter, doesn't it, in this sort of big battle uh, over the privacy of phone calls, doesn't it? The order that this federal appeals court reversed is the one that two years ago was seen as a big win for civil liberties advocates. Mm -hmm. Back then, U.S. District Judge Richard Leon found that the government's bulk collection of phone records almost certainly violated constitutional privacy protections. Obviously, the government appealed that injunction, and now we have the federal appeals court ruling in the government's favor. The White House, of course, says it welcomes this latest ruling. No surprise there. Uh, This is not the first case when a judge decides against the bulk records collection and then the government appeals. Right. It seems at this point that civil liberties advocates are winning battles but then losing the war because mass surveillance by the government continues. Yeah, the reason why they're losing these individual appeals is because they have been unable, the complainers, the complainants, whatever that is, the, the complaintiffs, complaintiffs, so I don't know why I'm being as bad about that. Right. But the issue has been so far that they have been unable to demonstrate harm to them specifically by surveillance. In fact, they're having a hard time even demonstrating that they're being surveilled. Oh. Because everything the NSA is doing is classified and in secret, and it's all national security. So there's no evidence to bring that you personally were being targeted and personally damaged by it. They can argue that mass surveillance is happening, but if you want to bring a civil liberties lawsuit against them, you have to show, this is my rough understanding, you have to show damages against yourself personally. Oh. So far, that appears to be the part they can't actually get done. Yeah, well, because just because that's how that's exactly well, because it's hard to get the evidence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So before we jump into the rest of the show, I want to take a moment and thank our patrons over at patreoncom unfilter. We got to four hundred and twenty-two. So uh, we'll probably do a high note special at some point. Uh, I'm 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 taking ideas. I'm kind of what can we do to make an actual like to make a worthwhile episode, even for folks that don't follow it as closely. I was trying to think of maybe we could break down some particular issues. Anyways, you and I could talk off air. We'll yeah. come up with something. We'll come up with something good, but the, we'll have uh, a drink to it. The unfilter support, the unfilter show is listener supported at Patreon.com/unfilter, and we genuinely appreciate your support. And by supporting us, you also get a little extra benefits at two dollars, right. or is it three dollars? It's $2. two, two. Wow, that's generous. 
Yeah, well, I suggested, you know, obviously we have the $5 level, and that gives you everything. That basically unlocks the entirety yeah, you get the of source the unfiltered code, you get the, you get the you get show notes, you get the overtime folder, but way there, more stuff than goes in the show. Yeah, but there are people out there that I know sometimes 5 bucks a month, that's, that's tough. You know, you know, times are tough, you know, yes, jobs yes. are stuck. Yeah. So what we did is we added $2 level, mm-hmm. so you can get the supporter show, which basically gives you a bonus show every single week. Because oh, yeah. what we do is, it's a little bit more cash, you know, we play some clips, we talk about personal stories, those kind of things that just get the ball rolling yeah. for the main show. In fact, it's great too, like if you like a longer show, you're a commuter, or you've Ever, you've wanted to more context into some of the clips we play in the more show. More stuff. The stuff that, you know, doesn't quite make it to the big show, mm-hmm. but it's good enough to talk about. So we put it in the supporter show, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you get basically double show every single week. Yeah. And really, your support more than ever is mattering as uh, we get ready for me to go on the road in our unfiltered show. We want you're to g- continue. You're going to go on the road? Yeah, I am. I am. And we want we want your support to continue. We want to make the show even better while we're doing that. So uh, Unfiltered needs as many patrons as we can get at patreon.com slash unfiltered. And also... Boom. Just a reminder, we're looking for unfiltered essentials. Uh, uh, Producer Matt started a uh, thread last week, and I think uh, it's maybe like people are suggesting topics and ideas like one was like drones. That's not exactly what we're actually maybe like could use some actual links. Recommendations would be really good, perhaps even. Uh, Good resources. Stuff Uh, that is the essential like this is what the this is one of the reasons you watch the unfilter show like here I'll give you an example of like this is a clip we've played I think just last week even but it, I would consider this to be one of our core essential clips that makes up an important understanding of the unfilter show go for it there it comes do you think that the US or UN forces should have moved into Baghdad no why not because if we'd gone to Baghdad, we would have been all alone. There wouldn't have been anybody else with us. It would have been a U.S. occupation of Iraq. None of the Arab forces that were willing to fight with us in Kuwait were willing to invade Iraq. Uh, once you got to Iraq and took it over and took down Saddam Hussein's government, then what are you going to put in its place? That's a very volatile part of the world. And, and if you take down the central government in Iraq, you can easily end up seeing pieces of Iraq fly off. Uh, part of it... Uh, the Syrians would like to have to the west, uh, part of eastern Iraq, uh, the Iranians would like to claim, fought over for eight years. In the north, you've got the Kurds, and if the Kurds spin loose and join with the Kurds in Turkey, then you threaten the territorial integrity of Turkey. It's a, it's a quagmire if you go that far and try to take over <laughs> Iraq. The other thing was casualties. Uh, everyone was impressed with the fact that uh, we were able to do our job with as few casualties as we had. But for the 146 Americans killed in action, and for their families, it wasn't a cheap war. And the question for the president, in terms of whether or not we went on to Baghdad and took additional casualties in an effort to get Saddam Hussein, was how many additional dead Americans is Saddam worth? And our judgment was uh, not very many, and I think we got it right. So that is an example of, I'd say, like an essentials clip, uh, yeah. something that uh, we always kind of want to be able to refer to and go to. It's a, it's something that I think that when you hear that history and you hear that context, just that alone can make you go, what the hell's and, going on? Well, the best what's, part, what's wrong with this place? The best part about those clips is it's not being spun. It's straight yeah, it's from him. their mouths. Yeah. It's straight information. Yeah, it's, it's not like some anchor going, well, look what we kind of pieced together. No, that's the full context. You're not getting anything edited. Here's, a, here's another, like, so we want examples. We want links to clips. Here's another unfiltered essential. About 10 days after the West Clark 7. I went through the Pentagon, and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me, and one of the generals called me, and he said, sir, you got to... Come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, "Well, you're too busy." He said, "No, no." He says, "We've made the decision. We're going to war with Iraq." This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, "We're going to war with Iraq. Why?" 
He said, I don't know. He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect connecting Saddam to Al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just... He said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. So uh, that's, you know, of course, those of you who are not familiar with that, that's uh, General Wesley Clark. Clark commanded the Operation Allied Forces in Kosovo War during his term as the Supreme Allied Commander of NATO from 1997 to the year 2000. Mm-hmm. This guy knows what he talks about. His years of service were from 1966, 1966 to the year 2000. Yep. He's a four-star or five-star general? What is that? One, two, five-star general? I can't, I can't even see from that far away. Four-stars. Four-star, yeah. They only, do they have five-star generals, Chase? Oh, they do, they do. Uh, but only usually in times of war. <clears throat> So uh, guess what? These are the kinds of clips that we think are like— And he when, likes to jock. When you hear those things, you go, man, something that they've been telling us in the mainstream media is not right. right. These people are like—that was Dick Cheney and Wes Clark, okay? Yeah. These are—now, it doesn't have to be that dramatic, but this is an example of Unfilter Essentials, and we'd like links to those. That's another way you can support this show, Patreon and the subreddit, unfiltered.reddit.com and patreon.com slash unfilter. We really do appreciate— your support. Yes, thank you so much, you guys. Yes, you guys. By the way, you know, I, I always keep track of the patrons who join, and we had quite a few join over the past week, and mm-hmm. uh, obviously you guys are hearing our call, you know, to keep the show going. It means a lot to us. It really does, because it, it shows that you guys believe in what we're doing, and uh, the more that you come on board, the, the more that we can do. So thank you so much. All right, so last week it was super heavy when we started the show because there was this uh, shooting that had happened, and boy, these mass shootings and uh, these shootings that go on are just super difficult to cover because they're always very sad. Yeah. And uh, the media, you know, really covered this last shooting in a wide range. Uh, and we have a clip here that I think really summarizes probably – it's not how the media has covered this particular last shooting with the, uh, with the reporter and her uh, photographer. But I would have liked to have seen the media cover it like this. When you hear this shooter, his ramblings – Other than obviously just this one outlet. Referencing with admiration the shooters in Columbine and in Virginia Tech. What goes through your head? Well, a lot of things. Um, and today, anger more than anything because we've been at this for 16 years now. It's been going on and on, and it's not getting better. It's getting a lot worse. It's expanding, and at first we were sort of clueless about it, and now I think we in the media quite a while ago should have admitted that we're collaborators in this process. Uh, we, we need to do something, and we should have done something a long time ago. You know, I sit down with Anderson Cooper every time, and he says a similar thing of, like, it's, when we see each other, it's always this horrible situation, and I almost think he's a little too polite about it because he can't thump his chest and say, hey, you know, we, you know, try not to use the name of the killers or the images and we downplay them from top billing. But he's doing something. And he took the step, you know, uh, two or three years ago and nobody else followed except Megyn Kelly on Fox News um, and your morning show, New Day. Uh, 
And everybody else is just going on as if, well, it's not our problem. We're not doing it. It's not our fault. Um, and, of course, you can't say, like, you know, Charlie Rose, what are you doing? George Stephanopoulos, Matt Lauer, any of you people, we need look, to do something. Look, you know, it's a choice we are making here tonight, and it's a choice that, 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 that we feel comfortable with. But, you know, media outlets, no media outlet pulled the trigger uh, today, you know, in Roanoke. Um, so they didn't cause directly what happened. So this guy... Yeah, but... Go l- ahead. Let me walk you through a little. Okay, uh, we didn't have this sort of thing before Columbine. We had mass murderers. We didn't have these spectacle murders. And we have, like, uh, a growing uh, number and type of them. Um, and there's really two different, uh, two different ways we cover them. One is, if it's kind of small, we get, uh, you know, there's sort of a flash in the pan. Mm. There's a, there's a minor mention. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, wall to wall. It's basically a TV movie all week long about them. Um, and number two, you know, actually I want to address the killers. If you, guys, if you're out there and you want to do one of these right now, you need to do one of two things. Either number one, you got to really get your body count up really high. You got to crack the top 10. Or number two, and listen, or number two, you got to do something creative. It's got to be different. Well, well, and, look. and look, it's got to be something like make us scared of new venues, like a movie theater or a church is really good. I, I, I know you're being facetious. Now, it's creepy, but this guy is nailing it. 10. Or number two, and listen, or number two, Ooh. you got to do something creative. Right. It's got to be different. Well, well, and, look. and look, it's got to be something like make us scared of new venues, like a movie theater or a church is really good. I, I, I know you're being facetious. You're, you're making a point. So here's what, I, here's, here's what I respect about this point that he's making is people watching, um, you're, you're not the smartest person watching. Yeah. And you're not the only one that, that watches and goes, boy. So it, it just takes somebody 10 seconds to go, what do I need to do to get attention? And what this guy is saying is this is the thought process you go to. Other people can figure this out, too. You and I watching this, if we're smart enough to figure that out, somebody else is smart enough to figure that out. Right. So what this guy is saying actually, to me, rings very true. Here, But this guy, this guy clearly did do that. This he, guy exactly. filmed, TV. Yeah. filmed the whole thing. He filmed it himself. He, he not only did he film the whole thing, he waited to get the shot, and then he posted it on Twitter. He linked to it on Facebook. And so we'll see, we'll see more of these. It won't be the first time somebody thought of this. But what I'm saying is, if you do one of those things, one or both, preferably both, then we give you a starring role on a made-for-TV movie all week. So something that uh, producer Matt and I noticed, we're going to play a couple more clips here. Right. And uh, we went to, uh, especially Matt, went to an extraordinary effort to only play clips that don't actually say his name uh, and that don't actually show his face. Because I am, I'm on board with this. I think people are really doing this uh, because they're messed up in the head, because they're taking a bunch of pills, and because they want to be famous. And so um, I'm going to play a couple more clips for you, and uh, I, I want you to understand what he is saying here about how if you do this, you get a, you get a leads role where you get higher placement than you do with most celebrities. Um, let me see if I can just pull it up for you right here. So uh, this folder here, you see all these clips in here? Oh, yeah. These are all clips that say the guy's name and show his face that we are not playing on air, but we have gone through and in a couple of moments extracted a few bits of them. This guy is famous. His picture, while they're talking about him, it's slideshow after slideshow after but slideshow. It's, it's name drop after name drop after name drop. It's a limited drop. amount of famous because what will happen they is— They don't care. Well, it's more famous than anybody else in the United States, potentially the world, for 24 to 48 hours. Or maybe in so this case— very, very short term. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, but I mean, 
but it's very short term, so that that's worth it to them. Well, I think it is. Here, I'll play it out because they kind right. of actually raised that question. Yeah, that's right. a very good question, right? right. He filmed it himself. He, he not only did he film the whole thing, he waited to get the shot, and then he posted it on Twitter. He linked to it on Facebook, and so we'll see. We'll see more of these. It won't be the first time somebody thought of this. But what I'm saying is, if you do one of those things, one or both, preferably both, then we give you a starring role on a made-for-TV movie all week. You're bigger than Brad Pitt or, you know, any movie star bigger than Madonna for a week. But, but who, so then, then, then take me to the next step, though. What's the mindset of someone who craves that, then? Let's okay. put it back on him, okay. because yeah. he clearly had That's a role. That's kind of what you're asking. Of course, yes, yes. And there, there's, there's several different kinds. There are, there's a very small number that are psychopaths, the type that are very deeply depressed, or that are really mentally ill in the sense of schizophrenic or paranoid schizophrenia. But all of those cases, they are lashing out and they're doing it for infamy. Obviously today, it was very clear, he didn't do it just because he was mad at these people. He might not, apparently didn't even know one of, didn't know them at all. Um, he did it to kill and then be seen killing. To be seen, yeah. He, this guy actually filmed himself to make sure and did it on live television. So these people are going for notoriety. If you take the notoriety away, there's no reason to do it anymore. Well, well, look, I mean, this guy felt aggrieved at something. He right, claims, yeah. you know, if you read this 23-page thing, it was because he was treated badly at the station, or it was the shootings in Charleston that flipped the trigger there. Right. There are all sorts of ridiculous things. And, uh, you know, you had Mary, Mary Ellen mm-hmm. O'Toole, who's brilliant, on earlier today, and she said, I, I felt better because it was the exact same thing I thought as I read through it. It's classic injustice collector. I mean, there, there's these lists, they're everything under the, you know, everything with the kitchen sink, and several of them just on the face of it are preposterous. All right, so he says this guy went around collecting injustices against him and then, and then burst it out. Uh, I want to play uh, this uh, mixed message, uh, this mixed message uh, report here. All right. Welcome to Bias Bash. I'm Lauren Green. The devastating murder of reporter Allison Parker and cameraman Adam Ward during a live TV interview Wednesday morning is sending shockwaves through newsrooms across the country. The media face a difficult task when it comes to covering this story and others that include such violent imagery. So when is it appropriate to show views of footage of brutal attacks? Here with analysis. Now, I actually don't hear to hear their analysis. This is something that you and I have kind of debated and we're debating again in the show, like... What is the point if they are going for fame? What is the point where you say, "All right, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy into that. I'm not gonna enable that." But at the same time, you want to be able to report on it. Like I actually, well, it's simple. Think, you can report on this without showing the clip of the dude. I don't know if I completely agree. I think the fact the way he shot it, and the fact that he posted it, and all of that is part of the story. Yeah, but you can explain it without showing it. Why? Just though? how we do a show why, for the majority. I'm not saying of audio I disagree. Listeners. I'm just why though. Well, why? Because it's because then you don't give him the attention he wanted in the first exactly. place. Exactly. That's kind of what that was sort of my thinking. Yeah, uh, I mean, so, he he he, in, he did it intentionally to make a point. Yeah, he did it intentionally for the shock value. Right. right. For I mean, for the the callous nature of yeah. what he did. Yeah. I'm not going to give him the benefit of my two eyes, and nobody else should either. All right. So that's why this next clip is pretty heavily censored. So uh, try not to find it too distracting, and try to have fun with it. And uh, let's take a look at this report, which started a whole snowball effect of stuff out of a local news reporter agency. Family. Good evening. I'm Justin I'm Jovita Moore. New at 11, a local gamer told only Channel 2 Action News he had frequent conversations with a local gamer. The man he believes was Anderson Cooper. Channel 2's Taisha Fernandez is live in our newsroom. And Taisha, he says Cooper seemed frustrated that his career wasn't moving up. He says Cooper talked about disliking several different co-workers at WDBJ TV. He also says Cooper talked about how he just couldn't get the issues he had at that station off his mind. 
progressively became angry. So this is the gamer that they interviewed, and uh, uh, he wanted to be he wanted to be darked out. He wanted to be anonymous. He asked not for his identity to be revealed. Progressively became angrier and angrier. This local gamer who plays online video games with a group known as Gamergate. You know, a group oh, named Games Gamergate. God. Is talking about the man he believed was a little baby. His real name? Anderson Cooper. Is the man police say murdered his former WDBJ co-workers on live television Wednesday morning? You know, I know he quit his job like two years ago, but he would still frequently bring up people like Adam and Allison. And He's hiding his identity because he believes he had been chatting and gaming online for three years with. We usually just talk through the in-game chat. He says this was his gaming profile. So they're using Steam chat. And uh, so this guy says that they t- talked with uh, somebody named Billy8473 over Steam Chat. Billy8473. He showed me this online conversation he says he had with him back in February. Gamer, do you want to play CSGO? <laughs> Not right now. I'm kind of out of it. Gamer, why? <laughs> I can't get WDBJ out of my mind. I have a strong dislike of those people. So they're really pushing this whole gamer. He's online. He's talking to people over Steam Chat. And uh, he's even talking about his old employer over Steam Chat. Gamer, dude, we've talked about this before. Just let it go. It's not a big deal. He was not happy with how things ended and how he was let go. And he felt like, you know, he had been picked on and and bullied. When he saw the violent video posted online, the similarities to games he says he's played with. I want to back up. I want you to make sure you hear this part. So the guy, this interview, who, again, we don't really actually know for sure if he knows uh, who our shooter is. Oh, it's not a big deal. He was not happy with how things ended. He says he's not happy with how things ended. And how he was let go. How he was let go. When he felt like, you know, he had been picked on. He felt like he'd been picked on. And, and bullied. And bullied. Okay. So this is what this anonymous guy is saying. That he'd been picked on and bullied. Okay. We just heard that in the interview. Keep that in mind. All right. When he saw the violent video <laughs> posted online, the similarities to games he says he's played with <laughs> were shocking. It was crazy because, like... You see him standing there holding the gun, and it looks like the game. It looks like the game that we played. The day of the shooting, someone else tweeted, was a noted Gamergate supporter. So someone tweeted that our shooter was a noted Gamergate supporter. Now, no reference to that in in this. Remember how I feel about just referencing tweets, but okay, we'll, we'll continue on. Okay. Today, I spoke to the FBI in Roanoke and asked them if they found any gaming equipment in his apartment. Agents told me they found a computer, but they're not releasing what was on that computer just yet. We're live in the newsroom tonight. I'm Taisha Fernandez. Channel- what? Wait, what was that? <laughs> a noted Gamergate supporter. All right, so this is a bit of a mystery. So, all right. Okay. So, so uh, here's something that sheds a little more light. I uh, the the uh, that local uh, that local affiliate has actually pulled down the interviews from their web page. Oh, but we managed to grab it before it was completely pulled off the web. Extended versions of the interview that did not air in that original interview, and it sheds, in my opinion, a ton of light on the angle that these new reporters were going for. Listen to this reporter ask questions. She doesn't even know what the hell Gamergate is. Or anything about it. What was his name out on the Gamergate? Did you hear what she just said? Wait. What was his name out on the Gamergate? Now, remember, he was using Steam Chat. She doesn't know what Gamergate is. She doesn't know she it's has a no idea. She thinks it's like a service or something where, where, where bad gamers get together. Listen to this. This is the reporter that we just heard, but they didn't put that in the TV-aired version of the of interview. Of course not. What was his name out on the Gamergate? Uh, it was like B-Will, something, something, something. He didn't really use like a, a real alias. Like, stop being about video game ethics and journalism and more about like 
harassing people and like harassing women in video games and stuff like that and so he seemed passionate about you know his job like i said he got involved with gamergate which is journalism ethics and all that stuff so this is way better explanation of why he would be involved with gamergate at all but yeah he was very passionate about being a journalist and so like the glock that he used is a glock it looks exactly like the glock from the game like if you go to google and you type in glock csgo or glock counter-strike global offensive they're the same weapon well, so that, that means it's, it's a video game. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Sure, yeah, I mean, if it looks the same, that's, it's a video game. So uh, uh, the uh, the tweet where they say that he was a noted GamerGate supporter. Yeah, the tweet that they reference, the gal that made that tweet has later rescinded the tweet and then has publicly berated that news agency for running with her joke because it was a joke and oh, never checking really? with her. Oh, so the Gamergate oh, clip, wow. the Gamergate tweet. So they find this anonymous dude who doesn't want to be identified, who used to game with somebody named Billy online on Steam, who confirmed... So, 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 so you mentioned the station pulled the clips. Yeah. Have they, have they had an official re- retraction? No, in fact, it gets even worse. Here's another clip that they oh. retracted, which I think is a big deal. There's also this other guy um, who frequently uh, bullied Bryce, I guess is the right way to say it. his name. Now, remember, Bryce isn't the shooter's actual name, so we're leaving it in. But so apparently, according to this guy, there was some harassment online. Frequently uh, bullied Bryce, I guess is the right way to say it. his name was uh, Sam Hyde. He was a member of an online group called Million Dollar Extreme. Sam Hyde, you can, you can look up his name in Million Dollar Extreme, MDE. They have like a YouTube channel and a, a Twitter account and... Uh, not only do they have a YouTube channel, uh, on their YouTube channel, I have not checked today, it might be pulled now, they actually posted a video bragging that they pushed this guy to the shooting. A YouTube channel and a, a Twitter account, and, uh, and they were really uh, just heavily involved in just pushing an already unstable you know, individual yeah. over the edge, which is yeah. pretty scary you know, to think about. So the question is, so you hear the reporter going there, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So guys getting bullied online, that didn't make it into the report, did it? No. That didn't well, make it into the report? No. No. All right, Chase. So I just have one question for you, Chase. It's one question. It's about guns. It's about mental instability. You have people with great mental instability. Plenty of laws on the books to deal with gun violence. We just don't enforce them. And this president and this administration hasn't enforced them. My next guest agrees. So let's get into this. Is it gun deba- Is it gun debate? Is it about the pills? Remember what, I, remember what I said last week about, you know, it, it was going to be a matter of time they talk about gun control. So here I? we go. NYPD officer Bill Stanton. Bill, you were a cop. You're on the beat. This is a cop. You're a cop. Get ready, Chase. I'm going to have you answer the question that he asked the guy. So get ready. All right. Yes, sir. Are you going to tell our audience that gun control is not the answer? <laughs> what do you think, Chase? Hey, what's he going to say? No. The answer is about treating... Gun, tr- gun control is not the answer. Oh, yeah! <laughs> it's not about the guns. It's about mental instability. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there is actually... Boy, uh, there is some truth to that, though. Uh, only in the sense that... Um, I wish that there was a bit more discussion about the uh, about the fact that maybe he is potentially on some sort of medication or right. something like that. I mean, that has to at least be looked at. Oh, totally. When you hear All right. I was going to actually, I wonder too, and I'll have you, we'll leave it at this. I, I have more to play, but I think looking at the clips from here, I think we probably touched on uh, probably the most important part of it. Uh, I don't know, Chase. So here we are a week later. It's been pretty much one week since the shooting. They've done a pretty bad job, don't you think? Yeah. It's been awful. I mean, 
And do you think it's worth discussing? Because well, then it gets spun back in the gun control debate. Or it, video games. Or video games. Yeah. And, I and maintain, we're not talking about the root issue. I maintain also that I, I do think potentially – I do think potentially there is the possibility for some some side effects of antidepressants possibly. And I, I think it's worth talking about. But the problem is is that's where they make all of their money, especially the big three. Advertisement. The crime scene tape was still up in Roanoke, Virginia, when politicians began calling, almost predictably, for tougher gun control laws. So here's a question. Why is it always a discussion about guns and not about mental health and mood-altering prescription drugs? This is a reality check you won't see anywhere else. Well, in response to the Virginia TV shooting, the usual voices began talking about the need for more gun control without knowing any facts regarding the shooter or how he got that gun. Without question, Vester Flanagan, the man who carried out the killings of Allison Parker and photojournalist Adam Ward, was disturbed. Though the extent of which we do not know at this time. But what we do know is that as we watch these high-profile shootings continue to grab headlines, there are important links that are being missed or even ignored. Take the Charleston shooter, Dylan Roof, who Flanagan referenced in his manifesto sent to ABC News. You know, politicians and media talked about the gun he obtained to carry out that church shooting. And they've talked a lot about the Confederate flag. But something else has received very little coverage. According to CBS News, earlier this year, cops searched Roof after he was acting suspiciously inside a Bath and Body Works store. They found orange strips that Roof told officers was suboxone, a narcotic that's used to treat opiate addiction. One that has reported a history of causing violent episodes in some users. And there is much more. Go all the way back to 1989. 47-year-old Joseph T. Westbecker, just a month after he began taking Prozac, he shot 20 workers in a Louisville, Kentucky factory, killing nine people. Prozac maker Eli Lilly later settled a lawsuit that was brought by survivors. And there's more. 1998, 15-year-old Oregon school shooter Kip Kinkle, who opened fire in his school cafeteria, he was on Prozac. 1999, Columbine killer Eric Harris was taking Livox. Also in 1999, Conyers, Georgia school shooter T.J. Solomon, he was on Ritalin. Yeah. 2007, Virginia Tech shooter, he shot and killed 32 people. He was on antidepressants and was taking Prozac. 2012, Colorado theater James Holmes was reportedly heavily hooked up on prescription painkiller Vicodin. And he took a cocktail of antidepressants just before his shooting spree. Also that year, Connecticut school shooter Adam Lanza, his uncle said the boy was prescribed Fanapt. It's a controversial antipsychotic medicine. And that is only just a few. Look, folks, there have been no less than 26 cases of mass shootings in the United States where the shooter has been taking antidepressant drugs. And to be clear, we're not saying that Prozac and Vicodin are to blame, but you have to consider this. Some of the most alarming side effects of Prozac include suicidal thoughts, self-mutilation, and manic behavior. Vicodin can trigger confusion, fear, and mood changes. For Xanax, it's hostility, hallucinations, and thoughts of hurting yourself. But not others, of course. So what you need to know is that the use of these antidepressants in America, it has skyrocketed. Right now, one in 10 Americans take them, four times as many as did in the 1990s. And while millions of people do not suffer violent episodes, the drug makers warn that some people may and do. So when politicians want to have a national discussion about gun control after one of these shootings, if we're being honest, shouldn't we want to have a national debate about what these drugs might be doing to the minds of some people who already suffer from mental issues? That's Reality Check. Let's talk about that tonight. 
On Twitter. On Twitter. Oh. It loses credibility. So, uh, yeah. I don't, well, I don't I mean, really have a stance on that. I just thought it was worth... But to of, be fair, I mean, more and more doctors these days are just throwing out the prescriptions instead of following up and people... Sure. I mean, we've talked yeah. about mental... We've talked about this a long time in this a long time ago on the show yeah. about mental services and going to therapy yeah. and psychology and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And there's a negative stigma behind it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're going to therapy? Yeah. You right. know, that why are you of, doing that? Why are you doing that? Why I don't, you just take I don't a need pill? To, I don't need a therapist. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, people are so quick to, to take a, you know, a prescription med. And, yeah. and I think you have doctors instead of saying, hey, you really should talk to somebody. Here, let me just give you a pill to help you out with that. And then there's no follow-up. There's no... Uh, I don't know, hand-holding, if you will, to, to make sure the patient is doing okay on their meds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it only happens when, you know, there's a big event like this, you know, uh, a tragic tragedy. Yeah. And then you go, well, the you know, he never really did see and, me. And I whatever. just, the reason why I bring up the, the the prescription angle is because I believe, in my opinion, it's more valid than the video games angle. So if we want to talk about video games, and I feel like it's only fair to first also talk about prescription pills, but the media won't do it because that's how they make their money. So it right. drives me crazy. Yeah. Speaking of things that drive me crazy, your buddy. My good friend. Dick Cheney. Hey, Dick. Got to make the roll. He looks like he's putting back back on some weight, so he's feeling like going out there and slugging out against Obama a little bit. I like Dick. Mindset. Oh. It's hard for me to Whoa. understand. That voice a loud Dick. To recognize <laughs> that it's a dangerous world, that it's more dangerous than it has been before, and that those threats out there we're faced with are increasing while we strip ourselves of the ability to deal with it. Uh, Dick Cheney with a new warning, <laughs> saying the U.S. has lost its way in the world and given up its role as a global superpower. My belief is that everybody at Fox News hates this guy. So <laughs> we're about to throw to KT McFarlane. And the, it, the amazing thing is KT feels like she's barely there when you're looking at her. She feels like she's barely grasping onto reality. The only person that has her beat is actually Bill, this guy. So he throws something at KT. She completely, like, she knows that he's just such a buffoon. She just completely ignores it and continues on. Listen, listen to this really extremely, like, clunky exchange that she basically steps right over. Let me take it over. Under President Obama. Strong charges. Katie McFarland, Fox News, National Security Analyst, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for the Reagan Administration. Katie, good morning to you. You sometimes disagree with Dick Cheney. Yeah, I haven't always agreed with him. On this occasion, you do not. 100% with him. Because you... So he says she doesn't agree. She says I'm 100% with him. He totally misses it. Do not. 100% with him. Because (laughs) you don't believe the actions of the administration have been committed out of incompetence. Mm -hmm. You believe they have been deliberate. Yeah, I agree. Defend that. I agree with Vice President Cheney. President defend that, and then and then defend she, it. Well, and then she goes on to actually say, "No, I actually agree." No, I defend agree. that. I agree with Vice President Cheney. President Obama has a very different worldview than than American, the majority of Americans do, than bipartisan both parties do, than presidents of both parties have had for you know for a hundred years. All right, enough of that. Katie drives me crazy, but I just thought that exchange was adorable. Uh, so uh, right on the most uh, the most serious ISIS killer, ISIL. Uh, has been uh, I was has been, say shot, dash that has been shot dead. Do you have any guesses of who had the most pro the oh, most how the most pro oh, ISIS? Yeah, you got it. You yeah, got come it. on, yeah. man. That's not even hard. Oh, U.S. spy drone nice, nice ad- and tracked Did you add that by the way? British-born ISIS hacker <laughs> Junaid Hussein for days in the middle of heavily populated Raqqa, Syria, 
before finally launching a Hellfire missile off a drone to kill him as he stood in the street Monday, yeah! CNN has learned. The mission to kill Hussein, the most sensitive for the U.S. in months, several officials tell CNN. The U.S. had to be sure it was him and to fire at him when civilians were not nearby. Hello, everybody. This is a huge get for the United States. Junaid Hussein uh, was the most prolific English-language propagandist for ISIS. Hussein is accused of being involved in the hacking of the U.S. Central Command website and posting a wait, so-called wait, kill list. Wait, Yeah, because he tweeted a link to Pastebin with hashtag cyber caliphate, so therefore he's linked to the hacking. Wait, and he hacked the website. That was Twitter that we saw. Yeah, with a link to... He just linked to the Pastebin dump. So that... Including personal information and addresses of U.S. military personnel, which caused the Pentagon to scramble to warn those who were named. He was linked to the shooting attack in Garland, Texas in May. That is so ridiculous. So uh, some people on Twitter claiming to be ISIS supporters, no evidence they are ISIS supporters, say they supported the Twitter attack or the uh, Texas shooting. Where contest participants were asked to draw the Prophet Muhammad. Investigators believe Hussein was messaging one of the gunmen to radicalize him and urge him to launch an attack. How can they believe that at this point? At this point in time, there's no proof. They should they don't know, know it because right. here's how it works. There's either a message or there isn't a message. It's digital. It's no, a one no, or Chris, a zero. I'm sorry. Uh, they have the evidence, but uh, they just haven't of, checked it yet. So they believe there's probably a message. And if they check his DMs, there's probably totes one in. They just haven't gotten to it yet. Because of national security, Chris, it's been classified. Oh. Making it potentially the first ISIS-directed attack in the U.S. Hussein was an ISIS social media star. He used that to sort of talent spot potential uh, terrorists, uh, lone wolves uh, in the West, and then take the communications onto encrypted apps, almost impossible for U.S. agencies. To That's why we need backdoors. Read. The U.S. is clearly finding ways to track top ISIS leadership. Without encryption backdoors? What? How? Just last week, a U.S. drone killed Haji Mutaz, the number two ISIS leader. The U.S. keeps close watch on several ISIS officials to see when they meet with others in the leadership. And if there is a top target, that person is then watched. You see how it's, I mean, I know they're just doing playback for press, but you see how that's Windows Media Player there? Oh, it's, yeah. They're trying to make it, they're trying to pass it as a legitimate drone display. But if you look, you can see the Windows Media Player controls yeah, there. And you see they, the now playing up there at the top. You can yeah. see the you see the Windows Classic theme con- uh, window controls well, right well, there. Well, to be fair, they're, they're playing this back for the media. They had to yeah. classify all yeah, the... Yeah, I know, you know. I know. It just... They're not even trying. That person is then watched around the clock until a strike is executed. This is a career choice with a short shelf life. And you need to realize that if you're going to take it on. I'm going to take him out back. And, uh, <laughs> we're going to whoop him. We're going to drop a career the bomb. Choice. And, uh, yeah, career choice. Yeah, what are you a, doing on Sunday? It's a real career choice. Uh, you know, We've destroyed their entire economies and their countries, and now this is a career choice that they're making. Yeah, we took down yeah. their Twitter. All right, so uh, we're, we've talked a lot about the Iran deal, and I have been red booking since the very beginning. This is going to pass. Oh, yeah, and guess what happened today? Well, hold on, hold on. We're not there yet. Oh, I know. We're not there yet. But, oh, okay. Uh, but there was, there was uh, some big changes. There's some Democrats that uh, Obama thought he was going to rely on. They're changing their positions. Some other folks are changing their position. A lot. Uh, uh, 
Uh, uh, you said too much. Don't, don't, don't. Not while I'm speaking. Not while I'm speaking. Don't write it off yet. I maintain, regardless of how crazy the rhetoric is about to get over the next couple of weeks, this deal is designed from day one never to fail. It is too big to fail. It cannot fail. And I have the clips. Are to you tell Lehman you why. Brothers? I tell you why right here. It is never going to fail because it is being designed to pass. Because the very complaint, the very voting that's going to happen, is the reason why it's going to pass. Creative means or desperate means, however it may be, are the order of the day. That's Norm Ornstein of the American Enterprise Institute. He is watching Senator Corker, who is chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And a very strong, legislative-minded, policy-minded guy. And also a guy in a tough spot. Corker has known for some time that the president and the United Nations were on their way to approving the Iran agreement. Corker and many of his fellow Republican leaders understand that once the president has made a deal with all these other nations endorsed by the U.N. Security Council, if Congress votes to block it, it's not going to look good for anybody, the country or them. Mm -hmm. So you find a way to make it work. They found a way. They borrowed an old mechanism that governs transfers of nuclear technology abroad. Here's how it works. Instead of voting whether to approve the Iran deal, Congress votes whether to disapprove. If they disapprove, the president can veto their disapproval. Exactly. It would take two-thirds of Congress to override the veto. And that makes all the difference. So because they're going to vote to disapprove the deal and then Obama is going to veto the disapproval, there go. By default, it will then be approved. And it is a system that is designed this way. So that way, they don't stop a super important deal, but they get to make a whole bunch of noise. We asked NPR editor Ron Elving how this changes the number of votes the president needs. If this is ordinary legislation that the president wants, how many votes would he normally need to get it through the Senate? If it were normal legislation and not a treaty, you would need 60 to shut off debate and then 51 to prevail. 51 to prevail. Now, I don't think he has that. And if it was a treaty? 67. So you need even more if it's a treaty, right? You need even more. You need even more. So if we were doing this the way it's supposed to be done, the way that they would guarantee beat Obama, the way that if they did this, there's no way this deal could happen, then they could stop it. But because they are not doing that. Okay, that's a lot of votes. Under this procedure, how many votes does the president need to prevail? 34. That's that's the essence of what we're talking about here. That's the kicker. He only needs 34 votes. He can veto it. And as long as he's he's good to go, he's good to go. If the Senate gives the president 34 votes to sustain his veto, he has won and it's over. The president can win even without a veto. He does that if a minority of senators sustains a filibuster. Uh His supporters are working toward the votes they need and gained two more just yesterday. The truth is, Republicans can all vote no. Even Democratic skeptics like Senator Charles Schumer can vote no. It's all for show, kids. And the president might still find enough votes to prevail. It is a mechanism by which lawmakers can deal with the contradictions that reality presents them. You can call it cynical, you can call it pragmatic, but it gets the job done both in the sense of keeping the government going forward and in the sense of solving the political problem of the individual lawmaker. So they get to make all the noise. They get to tell Obama that he's destroying the world. They get to suck up to Bibi and say that everything that they're saying about Iran is true and that Israel is super important to them. Write us a check. Yep. At the end of the day... 
They won't do a damn thing to stop it. You're right. And they all know it. Yeah. They all know right. it. In yeah. fact, I've cut it out, but even like there's clips I have of Ted Cruz, he knows what they're doing. They all know what they're doing. They know it today. They all know it, and they're just playing you. When they all go up there and they make a whole bunch of noise about it, they're playing you because if they actually wanted to stop it, they could stop it. But they're not. No. And that is the biggest show right there. It's a big, big show. Hey, look, quick, quick follow-up on the stock market last week. Speaking of a whole big show and a whole bunch of stuff, remember how I said I wouldn't be surprised if we still have a few after ripples? Yeah. That's what I said last week. Well, guess what? Fox News Alert. Another wild week with wild swings on Wall Street. The Dow dropping more than 1,000 points Monday morning, but all three indices rebounding and managing to end the week in the green. Now, presidential candidate Bernie Sanders blaming all this market mess on Wall Street greed. <laughs> yeah, because it's, no, it's not Wall Street's fault. It's all of those middle class people. It's their damn fault, those idiots. All right, so now we're getting into the 2016 stuff. Uh, we got to talk about these new emails that got released for Hill Dog. Nice. <laughs> Morning, everybody. We have another batch of emails released in the Hillary Clinton scandal. 7,000 pages. At least 125 emails therein contain information you will not see because that has been deemed classified and since it has been redacted, blacked out. Good morning. I'm Bill Hemmer. Another page in this story. Welcome to America's Newsroom. How are you doing, Martha? Good morning, Bill. Good morning, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum. She's like, oh, he finally got to me. So these uh, emails you that were that, just... You know, your breath. You need to brush watch, your teeth. Let's watch this again. Let's watch this. Look at her. Look at her like she's like, is he going to get to me? How long is he going to just take this? Being classified and since it has been redacted, blacked out. Good morning. I'm Bill Hemmer. Another page in this story. Welcome to America's Newsroom. How are you doing, Martha? Good morning, Good morning, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum. So these emails that we're just getting a look at offer a pretty rare glimpse into Hillary Clinton's close circle of advisors at the State Department. But even more troubling, perhaps, there's new details here that the computer people at State weren't even aware about the private email. Our own Ed Henry asking the State Department point blank, did Hillary Clinton break the law? Listen. Can you say from that podium categorically that Secretary Clinton followed the rules and the law? I'm just not going to answer that question. It's not our goal. It's not our function in this regard in releasing these emails. Rich Edson's live in Washington. So let's stop right there. Let's keep moving on because they're going to they're going to dwell on that. Mm. Of course, these emails that are now reclassified doesn't mean they're classified at the time. But there is a few things that are kind of interesting in here. The State Department is releasing thousands of Clinton's communications later tonight from her time as Secretary of State. But right now we have a Fox News exclusive outlining another potential conflict of interest. Chief White House correspondent Ed Henry has the latest from Foggy Bottom tonight. More turbulence for Hillary Clinton today as State Department officials revealed their latest document dump includes about 150 emails with classified information beyond the 63 they already found. Clinton has said they were not marked classified at the time, and officials stuck to their line the information has been deemed classified after the fact. Can you say from that podium categorically that Secretary Clinton followed the rules and the law? I'm just not going to answer that question. It's not our goal. It's not our function in this regard in releasing these emails. Then there are revelations from emails the State Department has not yet made public, such as an email obtained exclusively by Fox News, which shows an aide to former President Bill Clinton. Get ready for this. Asked the State Department in August 2012 for permission for the Clinton Global Initiative to accept money from a company that had done business with Iran. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Petronas, the government-owned Malaysian oil company, would like to send its CEO, Shamsul Azar bin Abbas, to CGI as a paying member, Bill Clinton's director of foreign policy wrote on August 9, 2012. For years, they were shipping oil to Iran. Would the CEO attending CGI as a paying member be concerned for USG, he said, in reference to the U.S. government? The email was sent to Cheryl Mills, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, and she did not say yes or no on money coming in from a company aligned with Iran. Mills replied August 10th, quote, can you check the facts? Seems odd they would ship oil to Iran. Either way, is your point that they do business without a waiver? A reference to a waiver from United Nations sanctions that have been ramping up over Iran's nuclear program when Clinton was leading the charge. We do not believe that Iran will uh, peacefully resolve this unless the pressure continues. Petronas, which has these famous towers in Malaysia, announced in March 2012 it would stop importing crude oil from Iran. And Clinton officials note there's no evidence the executive ended up giving CGI money. All of this coming as Democratic Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders keeps surging in Iowa. He's now pulled to within just seven points of Clinton in the latest Bloomberg Des Moines Register poll. That is the Obama coalition in, in, in Iowa. Um, she is on a trajectory that's, that's dramatically downward. Meanwhile, Vice President Joe Biden, still mulling whether to enter the race, choked up as he made a surprise appearance at a political event in Delaware his late son used to attend. I mean, this. To say thank you. Now, an advisor to the vice president told me if Clinton drops to 40 percent nationally, he's more likely to get in. She clearly has a problem since in March she vowed there was no classified information at all in the server, though her team today was highlighting the fact that the prosecutor in general, David Petraeus's case, came out and said the difference in that case is he knowingly violated the law. They will at oh. least try to make the case. Uh, she didn't know. Oh, right? she didn't all those know. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could wait, use that wait. one. Well, you know, Chris, I, sir, I didn't know I was I didn't drunk. know that it it was illegal to Ossifer. put something into my pocket without paying for it. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, I want to, uh, let's just grab this one real quick. This may or may, I can't remember if this clip has it in it or not. Here now with reaction to all oh, this yeah, is I can't President Carlson. Citizens United. Tucker. Uh, so anyways, the thing, I'll just, I'll just summarize it because I do not, uh, I do not really want to listen to Carlson Tucker. <laughs> uh, Tucker Carlson, whatever his name is. Uh, so uh, the other thing that came out in this new batch of Hill Dog emails, this one's kind of embarrassing. Bill wanted to accept an invitation to go talk to uh, North Korea. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the State Department is like, no, no, we can't do that. You can't go to North Korea and talk to them. No. And he's like, well, what if instead of them paying me directly, this is in the email exchange, like if somebody's writing on, like an aide's writing on behalf of Bill, what if instead of paying Bill directly, they write a check to the Global Clinton Initiative? Like they're trying to negotiate, like Bill Clinton's aides are trying to negotiate with the State Department to go send Bill out to go make a whole bunch of more money while Hill Dog is in the State Department. And these emails are now coming out too. Not exactly. Uh, remember what I said, Chris? Yeah. I, I still think it's... I still, Wait, I'm still holding... You, 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 so you think after all this time, you think after all this time, and I told you that emails would be a factor... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to Hill Dog. I'm still sticking to that Bernie's not going to be the... Uh, no, Bernie may not be it, so that would be the perfect opportunity for O'Biden yeah, to maybe. go right on it. Maybe. I, I just don't know if Biden's got it in him. I don't know if he's got it in him. I don't uh, know. You I don't know. know. He was tearing up uh, today. So. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about this refugee situation. So um, this really disgusts me because essentially the uh, the the coalition, you know, uh, basically the West has decided to go and rubbleize and destroy a whole huge section of Syria and Iraq and the Middle East. And now there's this massive refugee problem, and we're not calling it like it is. 
Overseas now to a deadly and growing crisis unfolding on the borders of Europe. Thousands of migrants and refugees desperately trying to escape war and poverty in search of a better life. Our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel, is on the hungry Serbia border tonight where thousands of refugees try to cross daily. Syrian refugees are on the march. And it's not just Syrian refugees. Across Europe. We join them today in Serbia, where we met Abdurrahman. 16 years old, like most here, he's heading north to seek asylum. Abdurrahman has been traveling for two weeks already through five countries. The next stop is Hungary. Then he and everyone else here will we'll be in the European Union, and they hope safe. I'm optimistic. I hope to get there and no one will stop us, he says. Just one more country to go. The biggest migration of refugees since World War II is underway. A new trail of tears from the war zones in the Middle East to Western Europe, if they can make it. For Abdel Rahman, the day began across from a park in Belgrade, packed with fellow Syrians. Then, one bus after another, battling other Syrians to get on. Please standing in line. Determined, Abdel Rahman always managed to find a seat. It's a huge responsibility. I'm my family's only hope, he says. His home in Aleppo was destroyed in the war. He hasn't been to school in four years and plans to settle in Germany and then bring his family. But he's spent nearly all their savings already and doesn't have much left. I walked 30 miles or more one day, he says, so I wouldn't have to pay $30 for a taxi. But he says he has to make it. One of thousands of teenagers and children traveling in difficult conditions for an uncertain future. This is a mass exodus, leaderless and spontaneous, as Syrians appear to have decided collectively there's no hope back home. And, you know, it's not just this is the part that really bothers me is we're trying to we're trying to paint this right now in the media as this is just a Syrian problem. Right. It's really pretty much anywhere that the West has been bombing. Yeah, uh, it's a big issue in Iraq. It's it's an issue all Huge. over the world. And yeah. so this like, oh, it's a Syrian rebel problem feels like uh, we're downplaying the issue a little bit. It is a massive like we go in there and we make all of these changes. We want to overthrow leaders. You know, like there's rebel, there are rebels. There are refugees that are coming from Libya in a massive, massive amounts. Because of the situation there. There's refugees yeah. that are coming from Iraq because of the situation down there. And th it's not just because all of a sudden, like, gangs are taking, like, one of, the, one of the main stories is, oh, yeah, it's gangs, it's gangs. It's not gangs. It's not gangs. It's the fact that we're destroying their homes. Yeah, taking out the whole country. I mean, gosh. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, how about, uh, since we're going to wrap it up here in a couple of minutes, let's start, on, uh, let's start with a couple of the uh, more... Uh, obscene, I guess. I don't know how to put this. Let's talk about our world leaders. Let's start with your buddy, your good, good friend, friend, Vladimir Putin. Ah, uh, Vlad. What A are you massive up to? American submarine surfaces in the Arctic. <gasps> what? Sailors chip ice off the USS Seawolf after spending two months below the ice cap. A U.S. commander says American forces are demonstrating they can operate a sub anywhere on Earth. But analysts say in the Arctic, America's fallen way behind the Russians. The United States is lagging militarily. While overall numbers of capability are larger, the, the, the Russians have much more effective 
uh, seagoing and military uh, capability in the region because they live there. U.S. officials and outside analysts tell CNN Russia has aggressively expanded its military capability in the Arctic, establishing and expanding a northern command, forming Arctic brigades. They even planted a titanium flag on the seafloor beneath the North Pole. The U.S. has two icebreaker ships. The Russians have 41. Analysts say the Russians are much better positioned to dominate the region militarily. Well, wait a minute. Can we just wait for global warming to melt it off? Uh, no, 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 Chris. Climate change. Why do we have to buy a? Why do we have to build new boats? And grab crucial natural resources. What's at stake is huge. We're talking about this area here. Everything we're talking about here has largely been completely untouched by man in any way. So it, this, whoever can break the code and gain access to this region and all the areas of economic development and resources will be a huge benefactor. Vladimir Putin's not only flexing his muscles militarily in the Arctic. So for you audio listeners, uh, we've got stock footage of Vladimir Putin working out in an empty gym, pumping iron. But quite yeah. literally in the gym. Putin and his prime minister, Dmitry Medvedev, have just been videotaped working out together in the morning, grilling together. Oh, my God. Having coffee together. Why is this not our president? He works out in the morning and grills together. Together in the morning, grilling together, then having tea for breakfast. I think they're trying to show Putin again in a positive light, show that he hasn't lost it, that he's still in charge, that he's still this active, virile figure. This comes on the heels of Putin proudly manning a submersible. Seems pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? In the Black Sea. And who could forget the images of Putin shirtless, hunting, fishing, riding horseback. He's done a judo demonstration. Analysts say this plays into Russians' sense of pride in a strong leader, an image Putin needs these days. His popularity ratings in one recent poll have dropped to about 72%. (laughs) Which compared to Obama. (laughs) Wow, it's dropped to a measly 72%. Still at levels American politicians would kill for. His uh, approval ratings went through the roof as soon as Russia annexed Crimea. That's sort of totalitarian level approval ratings. And he is addicted to them. All right. So, uh, I mean, that is, you know, but seriously, the, the drinking tea, the working out, the going to the sub, it's... It's, it is, it's trying to project an image. I mean, what's next? Is Putin going to do, like, I don't know, a reality series this or something? This is just into CNN, and it has to do with President Obama appearing on a reality show. What? Oh, now, hold on. Were we just giving Chris, Putin you a just, hard time? You just set this up. Oh, Come on, shit. Brian Stelter is about to break the news. Can you guess which reality show Obama's going on? Uh, or do you know? Do you know? No, I don't. Okay, okay, good. Okay, I good. Don't. All right, okay, let's play this here. Chase. <laughs> I don't want to play this. Come on. No, you got it. Just come on. Come on. Right, you can right, totally right, guess I'm it. Here. Chase Nunes. What reality television show is President Obama going on right now? What reality television show is President Obama going to be wow, starting? There's so many good choices. Uh, I think, you know. Okay, we got the chat room says Amazing Race. We got Big Brother coming in. Housewives. Housewives. Okay, what do you got, Chase? Survivor. Yeah, oh, yeah, you tell me when to pull the chain. Oh, I, I don't really know, man. You want me to pull it? Uh, well, I, I'll say uh, Dancing with the Stars. All right, that'd be a good guess. He can, he can cut a rug. Guess. Let's see what Seriously? Breaking news. Breaking news, yes. Well, we know the president breaking news, is but... in Alaska this week. Uh, he's going to be taping an episode oh. of... Oh, no. Bear Grylls' reality show. It's called Running Wild with Bear Grylls. It's on. He's M- going to be 
on Bear Grylls show. Wow. The president of the United States of America. The United States of America. I'd rather have him on Survivor, president man. President Obama right. is going on Bear Grylls reality Survivor. And we were just busting Putin's balls. Filed with Bear Grylls. It's on NBC. It premiered last year. Since Obama's up there, he's going to spend some time in the wilderness learning survival <laughs> techniques from this reality show star. Oh, Come my on. God. Why? He's joining celebrities like Drew Brees and Zac Efron and Shannon Tatum, who will also be on the season. NBC just announced it this morning a few minutes ago uh, because the president's up there so talking episode, about climate change in Alaska. Right, so this episode will air while the president is still president. Yes, it'll air later this year. That- Mike eighty nine is wondering if Obama will drink his own piss. That's right. You know, this White House uh, has tried very hard to use new types of media, lots of entertainment forums to get his message out. Uh, this one, though, this is one of the most extreme versions yet. We're talking about extreme survival techniques. Can I read my favorite line from the press release? Please. It says, uh, President Obama will become the first U.S. president to receive a crash course in survival techniques from Bear Grylls. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That just happened. So let us know what you think of that clip and all the other ones that we did. And by the way, if we missed something this week that we should have talked about on the show, head over to our subreddit page yeah. at unfiltered.reddit.com. That is where you can submit stories and engage mm-hmm. in the conversation. Yeah. Well, should we check t- what the top story was, Chase? You ready? Oh, uh, yeah. The top story, Bernie Sanders is right. America spends too much money on its military. Oh, Number yeah, one, totally. Video captures Texas cops shooting a man with raised hands. Oh. Yikes. 21 hours ago, Micro 89. Micro 89 in powerhouse. Wow. Legally kidnapped U.S. Child Protective Services accused of separating families for profit, and a D.C. appeals court has lifted the injunction against the NSA's phone call records program. Wow. Some good stuff right there. Very good stuff. More show on filter.reddit.com. Go check it out. Don't forget, you can support us at patreon.com slash unfilter. Don't forget the live show, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. You can find our live times, jblive.tv is where you watch it at. we got a chat room over there. You can join us throughout the day. Now, let's chat say you know you don't want to worry about all those websites. Let's say you just want to follow one website to Ooh. maybe see what's going on like with the feed. network. Maybe a like signal. A, like a signal. Like a you ever heard of that Twitter.com, Chase? That Twitter.com, yeah, 140 the characters? Thing. Yeah, I absolutely. Put, I put up a Justin Bieber account over there. I mean, no, no, that's not it. No, it's oh, Jupiter's signal. No, you I've, follow Justin you know, Bieber. I have, never, Sorry. I have never in my life gone to Justin Bieber's Twitter page. Yet. Yes, you that's have. That's what Google Chrome. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. All right, Chase, we got a Twitter page? Yeah, I do. Twitter.com slash Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Been posting up coverage of you're not, you PAX. Mean you're, not, you're not N-U-R-D? Okay. No. <laughs> I don't know what my Been posting coverage today. of PAX all week on there oh. and, and on the website of oh. geekgamer.tv. Yeah. Um, you know, nice. that, that kind of Geekgamer. stuff. Geekgamer.tv, go check yeah, it out. Yeah, look at all those pictures from the show, coverage. man. Looking real good, buddy. Hey, yeah. hey, did you know Did you know we got a road trip coming up? You can find what? out more. If you're a Patreon supporter on today's, patreon.com slash today, you can find out about that. Nice. Keep this show on the air during that transition. We appreciate your support over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Yes. And we'd love to have you show up live, too. Oh, I yes. mentioned that. We do we this really every, do like every single Wednesday. We get the party started about 5 p.m. Pacific time. Jump yep. in the chat room. It's always good fun. You get to help title our episode and all of those goodies. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfilter. See you right back here. Next. Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah.